Welcome into the 49er Access Podcast. My name is Sterling Bennett, and today we are going to react and dissect day number eight of San Francisco 49ers training camp. And let me say this, it was a grueling, grueling practice, the longest practice we've had down in Santa Clara. We're going to dive into every single thing that happened, including the big plays, the good plays, the bad plays, and we'll even go into some smaller plays I believe were uh, good notes to end on when we look at the weekend coming up for the San Francisco 49ers. They have two practices left that are open to fans, three remaining before they head off to Las Vegas for joint practices against the Las Vegas Raiders. So not many left to view at the practice facility in Santa Clara. I'll be there for the next maybe three of them, but definitely two of them. So today's day eight. We have day 9, day 10, and maybe even day 11 before they head off to Las Vegas. I want to remind you, use our promo code 49ersaccess at SeatGeek.com and save yourself $20 off your first purchase. So, what happened today? We'll dive into quarterbacks, Brock Purdy, Trey Lance, Sam Darnold, even some Brandon Allen today. All four, to court, all four quarterbacks played really well today. We'll dive into all of the things they did, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Not much ugly, I might add, though. But first, the absences. Only one. Nick Bosa still has now reported to training camp and is still looking for a contract extension. Again, that'll happen when it does. Uh, give it time. Give it a week or two. It'll get done. He'll be there, but isn't there just yet. Um, some did-not-practice players are Austin Bryant, who still has an undisclosed injury. Um, he had a helmet and jersey on today, same as yesterday, but still didn't practice. Uh, I, I would assume that's going to remain the same tomorrow, but hope that's not the case. Want to see him back on the field as soon as possible. Uh, Kalia Davis, hamstring, did drills on the side today. Uh, a lot of light stretching for guys who didn't practice uh, Robert Beal Jr., the same for him. Aaron Banks in concussion protocol, still doing light stretching on the side on his first day without practicing during training camp. Jalen Moore, left knee bruise, again, doing drills on the side. And Elijah Mitchell joining them with the adductor injury. San Francisco made the move after practice today, placing defensive lineman Daryl Johnson on the injured reserve and signing Dalen Hayes to replace him. Uh, so a lot of moving parts in practice today, kind of like yesterday. A lot of young players getting reps with the first and second team. Among them was Deshaun Jameson, Nick Zakel, uh, and Leroy Watson still getting second team reps behind Trent Williams, who returned to practice today after a vet day off. Christian McCaffrey was also back on the field today. So uh, a lot of guys back, but a lot of starters and depth pieces off to the side with injuries and so let's talk about the observations I had during practice today. Uh, and, and one really stood out that I kind of pointed to and it was like, man, like we really have to appreciate what we have in San Francisco. And seeing Debo Samuel in the backfield playing running back while Christian McCaffrey's in the slot uh, made me sit back and just say, this is special. <laughs> uh, most teams can't do this. And if they can do it, they can't do it very successfully. And San Francisco has just an incredible offense. And seeing that and just kind of trying to predict and think of what it's going to look like uh, come this season, I mean, it just blows my mind. Uh, other guys like Javon Hargrave 
are starting to put their stamp on practices. Hargrave is somebody who's been double teamed a lot in the first week or so of training camp. And to see him, <laughs> it was really funny today, uh, John Feliciano coming back off the shoulder strain who missed practice yesterday. There was a play where Javon Hargrave blew him up. I am talking like off the ground to the ground. Like they shoved him to the ground. He's blew up the running play. And I felt bad because I was like, that that guy's hurt. <laughs> like, don't don't do that. <laughs> he was he was hurt yesterday. And now you're tossing him to the ground, but a really big display of what Javon Hargrave can do for this team. Just immense power in a very short man, but very large man at the same time. Javon Hargrave has so much strength in that very short but stout body of his, and it was good to see him finally get some action where he wasn't double teamed. Um, other observations, Jordan Mason and Ty Davis-Price just continue to have really good camps. Uh, we talked yesterday about with Elijah Mitchell being off the field, this was an opportunity for Mason or TDP to kind of make that next step in and kind of put their name in the hat for that running back number two role or three in Ty Davis Price's case. And I think both had really strong days. Uh, Mason has always been a player that runs with his head down and he wants to bulldoze somebody. Like they call him the closer for a reason because, you know, late in games, fourth quarter, you need that third and four, you need that, you know, third and one to ice the game. He is that guy they want out there. And so today, to see him run the same way on first and second down, uh, it really shows that the competitive nature in him, that it doesn't matter what my role is currently, I'm always fighting for the next job. And there's no doubt in my mind, they know Christian McCaffrey is the RB1, but to see young players fight and strive to get every single rep they can, and to see them, whether it's possible or not, play as hard as they can to be RB1 on this team, even though it's basically impossible. It, it just really shows that this running back room, this team, the example is set by the leaders, and to see them set the example for young players like Mason and TDP goes a long way, and I, I, I couldn't think of somebody better outside of Christian McCaffrey to do that for these young guys, and I think that's really paying off for them to see someone like Christian McCaffrey who's been there since OTAs and minicamp kind of say, look, the road starts here, and to see that carry on and the effort carry into training camp is really impressive for Mason and Ty Davis Price. Uh, TDP just continues to just rock the freaking house down. A um, couple nice runs today where the own line just didn't create a hole for him. He cut back and found room to run. It was really impressive to see him, you know. One thing about him last year was running into the offensive line too much, not being able to find a hole. This year, you can tell he's so much more comfortable in the pocket or at least running behind the offensive line and finding space for himself. Um, and I could argue he probably had, if not for Christian McCaffrey earlier in practice, uh, had one of the best runs of the day. Um, could have been a huge touchdown run uh, if they can actually tackle. So another good day for young running backs in San Francisco's backfield. Uh, Braden Willis, he continues to stack days. Uh, the tight end position's up for grabs. It's Kittle and everybody else. And we thought it might be Cam Latu or Warner or Dwelly. Uh, right now, if I had to stake my claim on somebody that I really liked since he was drafted, and somebody who I think is starting to pick up the pace and kind of prove himself to the coaching staff and players around him is Braden Willis. Uh, today, and even a few days ago, 
a handful of catches and has really impressed me uh, in, in the last three or so practices. Again, a handful of catches and a ton more that could have actually happened had it, the quarterbacks actually hit him in stride and hit him accurately. Uh, could have had a touchdown earlier this week in practice. And again, a couple more catches today. He's really showing promise, like not just blocking, which is his strength, but actually in the receiving game, in the pass-catching game. And I think with tight end number two being up for grabs right now, it's early in camp and I get that, he really has shown some promise. Uh, a long way to go, three preseason games to play, things can still change and alter, but right now, if I had to pick somebody, I like what he's showing, I would make him tight end two currently because he's doing it consistently, blocking and pass catching. Uh, somebody else who's young, a rookie late round pick this year, Ronnie Bell, continues to impress since pads have come on. Uh, had a couple nice catches today. One of them being fighting through contact with the defensive back. Caught the football, shook off the contact, and ran for a big gain towards the sideline. Um, the timing wasn't perfect with Ronnie Bell on the play from Trey Lance, but to see him, again, fight through contact, keep his eyes on the ball, then move upfield is really impressive. Uh, one thing that kind of irked me with him early and made me say, I'm not sure was his consistency with his hands. That's been cleaned up a lot since pads have come on. And I think we're seeing him, you know, again, once the pads go on, that is where certain players turn things up. The heat gets hotter and they kind of, you figure out who can actually play and whatnot. And Ronnie Bell seems to be one of those players that can actually go out there and play with the pads on. And it can actually, you know, thrive in the NFL. Again, during practice, not games, but practice, that's where you start and you build upon it, and Bell and Willis are both doing that currently. Uh, another guy who continues to stack days, and who I think is going to be this team's fourth, if not third, linebacker, is Marcelino McCrary-Ball. Uh, he He's one of those players where he's a name you don't think of because it isn't a Warner or a Greenlaw, and... He isn't a name you look towards on the roster and go, yeah, that guy's going to do something. But knowing he was here last year and the potential he has shown, and to see the growth in just year two as a leader, but also in run defense, in coverage, like there's real improvement here with Marcelino McCurry Ball, where I don't want to say he's special or get too hyped. There's something there where he might be this team's linebacker number three. There was a play today at practice where uh, he he leveled a fullback, Jack Coletto, uh, forcing an incompletion and, and really, even later in practice, dis disrupted a running play and he nearly pushed the guard over and, and pushed him into Jordan Mason in the backfield. It was another good day for the second-year linebacker. And I'm really impressed with how far he's come along since last season. Uh, I, I also want to dive in here to the cornerbacks because I think today was a really good practice for two players uh, in certain. And one of those being Deshaun Jameson. I've talked a lot about him on the, on the podcast where he is someone I pointed to and say, look out for that guy. Uh, ever since I've seen him in OTAs in minicamp, I said he's scrappy. Um, he's he's very physical at the line of scrimmage, sticky in coverage, and you can tell he's someone who fights for every rep. He's someone that, you know, he has a lot to lose here, where undrafted guy could easily get written off and cut. You can tell he is pushing 
and fighting and clawing his way to make this roster. And to see that, like, he has that dog in him. Like, he has that D-A-W-G in him. And to see him stand out and to hear what actually Steve Wilkes has had to say about him. And even Mooney Ward yesterday saying, I, I, I learned from him. And to hear a all-pro level cornerback say they learned from an undrafted cornerback is really impressive. And to think that it's very easy for an all-pro starting caliber cornerback in Mooney Ward to just write off a young player like that or not listen to him. To think that I can teach you, you can't teach me. And not only hear that Mooney Ward's open to it, to hear that it's actually working is really impressive. That Deshaun Jameson's already adding value to this team and games haven't even started yet. Um, there was a few routes where he undercut and, and almost picked off Sam Darnold uh, during one-on-ones. And uh, there was also a play in one-on-ones as well where at the line of scrimmage, he just jammed a guy and wouldn't let him get out of his route. And it was a really good play. And, and you, again, you can tell that he values every single inch, every single yard of the field and is not willing to give that up easily. And to hear what Steve Volk said, and I have the quote in front of me, very impressed. He's definitely made strides from spring and came back and built on his repertoire, his toolbox. A young player willing to grow, willing to grind, those are the guys you want on this team, and those are the guys that actually make the team. To hear Steve Wilkes say, very impressed. He said it twice, actually. I'm very impressed. Very impressed. Um, when Steve Wilkes talks, unlike Kyle Shanahan sometimes, you listen. And to hear him talk up and hype up a young cornerback like Jamison, I have him making the roster right now, albeit very early. But he's really impressed me, and I think he's really made a... You know, he's really made a mark on the on the, the, the coaches and the teammates around him. Uh, somebody else who I think Steve Wilkes loves, I have hammered the table for him the entire offseason. Said him like a cut early, could be on the bubble. I don't think that is the same anymore. I think that's kind of... The narrative has changed around his name. That's Ambry Thomas. Um, similar to Jameson, you can tell that he's clawing and fighting for every inch where he realizes how close he is, or at least was, to getting cut, and that it's kind of made him desperate in every single route, every single rep he takes. Uh, and during 1v1s, he had two pass blocks, and it was really strong in coverage, uh, did not let guys get off the line. And during team drills, he was guarding George Kittle, who is much taller, much larger than him, has like 40 pounds on him, and he was physical and forcing incompletion. And to also see on top of that, him taking not only steps on the field, but also off the field. Um, he has taken somewhat of a leadership role amongst younger or similar aged or experienced cornerbacks in the room. There was a play today during one verse ones where uh, Samuel Womack, who was having himself kind of an inconsistent camp, he got beat on a ball and Thomas came over and started coaching him up a little bit. And to see a young player who like Thomas, who has been there at the bottom, almost being cut last year, being written off last year after a relatively good rookie season, to see him come along next to Womack and kind of say, look, here's where I can help you. Here's where we can grow, we can teach, and we can grow together. Um, that's really impressive and important to see that the impact that he's having on the field in his actual reps and play. He's also trying to do the same off the field with his teammates too. But hey, look, we all have to get better here. How can I help you 
improving. And to see that a young player you wouldn't expect, like when I say Ambry Thomas, you don't say teacher. You don't say coach along with it. You think of might get cut. He isn't very good. And I think that, at least in my mind, is starting to change. Again, there's games to be played, practices to be had, but there is real growth happening with Ambry Thomas, and it's really impressive to see. Him and Jamison are starting to leave their mark on the coaching staff, and you can see that they are starting to kind of win them over as they try to, you know, see what they have in them and see how far they can actually grow as players. Uh, somebody else who is brand new to the team has stood out in his two or three practices. That is Taco Charlton. Um, signed on Tuesday, and I mentioned earlier in the podcast that night that he he looked pretty good. He looks leaner. He looks meaner. And, you know, thinking about last year and thinking about a player who you don't expect to come into camp, a player who you don't you know, think is going to make this team, but does have an impact on the team during the year. It has a pretty big one last year with Tashawn Gibson. And to think that Taco Charlton could have that kind of impact, where it's a guy who, although very different in their experience levels, Gibson being like 11-year vet, Charlton's like a four-year vet, failed first-round draft pick, uh, very different in their experience levels and, and, and where they're at in their career. But Taco Charlton just... Feels like a Chris Kosarek guy. Lean, mean, aggressive, you know, needs this to work out to save his career. And someone who you kind of write off and go, eh, the only reason why he's here is because Bosa isn't here yet, which is the case technically. But I think when you hear guys like Alex Baird are having a good camp and might make the team, I think San Francisco would rather have a failed first-round draft pick with potential over a guy like Barrett, who's having a good camp, mind you. But he just feels like a guy that a vet comes into camp, you don't think much of, but works his butt off and ends up making the team and plays, you know, whether it's a depth role or a pivotal role down the stretch of a season. Like, we're talking about Clellan Farrell being, you know, the ardent key of the team. Why couldn't it be Taco Charlton? You know, they're very similar in how they play, aggressive, and, you know, have not lived up to the potential of being a first-round pick or second-round pick in Farrell's case, but guys who you look at and say, you should be better than you actually are, and two guys who want to prove themselves, I don't see why Charlton couldn't be that guy this year if he makes the team. Uh, again, it's early. We're eight days in, mind you. <laughs> so let's not forget we're... We're pretty much a week and a half into practices and training camps, so this could be nothing in a month or, or, or e even a week. But uh, I think when you hear, again, Steve Volks talk about a player, to hear him say, and the quote is, he got off the plane and started making play after play, there was an instant impact, a instant high motor in Taco Charlton in run defense and trying to get the quarterback. I mean, he was, there were certain plays in day one he was blown up uh, Watson at left tackle and to see that kind of continue in day three uh, I I can really see him making this team if things progress the way they currently are trending but again time will tell uh, other two guys who I noticed before we get to the quarterbacks are Demo Lenore Diamonor Lenore uh, he kind of has gone I don't want to say under the radar because we've all talked about how good he's looked or at least I have in OTAs and minicamp, but during training camp, 
he's kind of been not non-existent. It's not the word, but he's been kind of invincible or invisible, excuse me, um, because he hasn't made a lot of great plays, and that's kind of a good thing for a cornerback to not have to make great plays. But today, I think, was one of those days you point to and say, there was noticeable great coverage, noticeable, you know, pass defenses. And I think for him, he's had a good camp. But, and I think because he was so great in OTAs in minicamp, that we kind of said, yep, he's he's having a, he's going to have a good year and he'll be fine. But to finally see at least, you know, the plays in action and go, wow, like he's starting to kind of, I don't want to say put it together, but you can just see the momentum shifting for him into having a good year to maybe a great year. Um, he was really sticky in coverage today. And even the reception he gave up, he was right there. Um, it took just an elite, insane, top 10 receiver moment from Brandon Ayuk to actually catch the football. Uh, Lenore was draped all over him. And it was really one of those plays you point to and say like, Jesus, how did Ayuk catch that? And also like, Lenore, great coverage. Like, there was no... The, the way he caught the football, Lenore should have won that rep 9 out of 10 times. And this happened to be that 10th time he didn't get it, right? And, and, and so for Lenore, he the, the, the ceiling is so high for him. The fact that he's going to be this team's cornerback number two, he's an undersized guy, but you can tell he just... And maybe it's the Steve Wilkes. Maybe it's the guys that San Francisco likes to pick up scrappy, smaller guys that just want to win every single rep who are grabby in a good way, who, you know, who... Uh, he calls himself the hyena, right? But in this case, he doesn't like the scraps. He wants that number one receiver. He wants to guard the other team's number one guy. He wants to kind of prove himself. He's smaller, but he can still guard the best guy across from him and I think for Lenore to see that today more than any other day in camp thus far uh, it was a really good sign I'm happy for him because he deserves that recognition this year all of all the work he's put in during last year and OTAs and minicamp this year like he looks really really good uh, the other guy who uh, is kind of a vet now it's weird to say that he's still young but is Isaiah Oliver he <laughs> He's he's quietly really good. Uh, I didn't think you know, he was a target of theirs coming into the season. And I figured they'd bring back somebody else or they pick up somebody else or draft somebody, mind you. But uh, being a long-armed slot cornerback, a nickel, knowing that he's comfortable there, his long arms definitely help in how great he was today in not letting guys get out of their breaks in 1v1s. And he's someone who I think, when you look at him, you don't think of a nickel cornerback. You don't think of, you know, a, a quick guy, which he really isn't a quick guy. But his size allows him to keep up with smaller guys and also guard guys like Kittle or bigger receivers like Jawan Jennings, who, you know, usually outmatch a smaller nickel or a smaller nickel cornerback. Uh, he, that doesn't happen for him. Like, he locked down Sneed and Conley during one-on-ones today. And I know that's kind of, it's Sneed and Conley, I get it. But you can only guard who's in front of you. And he was really good today in 1v1s. I wanted to give him credit. 
He had a fumble, a forced fumble a couple days ago. Like he's, you know, quietly under the radar putting together a really good camp for a really big position at nickel this year. Um, replacing Jimmy Ward. Like they need him, and he's been really good thus far. Uh, but let's get to the quarterbacks because that's what everybody ever wants to talk about at 11 p.m. on Friday night, August 4th. We are talking quarterbacks: Sam Darnold, Brock Purdy, Trey Lance, and even Brandon Allen. But I want to remind you one more time: use that promo code 49ers Access at SeatGeek.com and save yourself $20 off your first purchase. Okay, the quarterback position. Today, as a blanket statement, they were all good. As a blanket statement, I was impressed in many different areas from every single guy. There were some things I didn't like. We'll talk about those. But overall, I'm putting it out there. I liked what every single quarterback did today. From Brock Purdy all the way down to Brandon Allen. I think the quarterback room has been really impressive this year where... In years past, it's been Jimmy and then, you know, Trey and or Jimmy, Nick Mullins and Bethard. And you're like, Jimmy Garoppolo, please don't get hurt. And then he gets hurt and the team sucks in 2020. Um, and then Jimmy and Trey, you're like, Jimmy, and they're going to, you know, battle it out with Trey Lance. And you're hoping Jimmy's healthy, but you're intrigued by Trey. But he's a rookie and really raw, so the quarterback room really isn't that great. Then last year, you got Jimmy, you got Trey, you got Purdy. Uh, and the quarterback room was really strong last year too, but Jimmy was here late in camp and didn't practice much, and Purdy really wasn't getting, you know, Purdy hype because he hasn't played, he hadn't played much yet. Now it's, you have Purdy off the hype, post-injury, Trey Lance in year three, is Sam Darnold the reclamation project, and Brandon Allen, the Joe Burrow's backup, and you're like, okay, there are four competent quarterbacks in this room playing really good football, and doing things that at, at a certain point or at a certain place you can point to and say, this guy could start this year, or this guy could play this year, and this team can win games with them playing. And so today, uh, on Friday, uh, it, again, it's really impressed by all of them, uh, starting with Brock Purdy. Uh, he was 15 for 21 during team drills and moved the ball drills. He did throw a pick, but also scored one touchdown. Uh, I thought today was kind of a mixed bag for Brock Purdy. I really love what he did today, being aggressive down the field. Um, we haven't really seen that much in training camp from any of the quarterbacks, but him and Brandon Allen today, they kind of have this effort mentality of like, I'm throwing it down there. If it's a flag, if it's a pick, if it's a touchdown, I don't care. I'm doing it. You can tell they came out with the mindset of, I'm going to test this defense today. And I like that because not only does it help the quarterbacks and where the ball should go, but also helps receivers, contested catches, and defensive backs guarding go balls. I like that stuff. It keeps you on your toes. And if you're not aggressive, you're never going to hit those throws come the regular season. Like You have to take risks in games to win games sometimes, and Purdy and Allen have done that, at least today, a lot. Um, there were some issues with that being said. Um, the first go ball was to George Kittle on the left sideline, and there has been mixed reporting on this, and that may be determined by where you were standing or sitting 
when this happened. Um, from my perspective, and from others as well, this ball was underthrown. Like, this ball was underthrown. Um, it was towards the left sideline of the field, and it was George Kittle 1v1 with Dre Greenlaw. And again, this ball was underthrown. This ball should have been over George Kittle's back shoulder, um, closer towards the sideline, kind of let him get under it a little bit, and either tiptoe out of bounds or give him some space to run with the football. It was underthrown. But that doesn't mean I don't like that throw being made. When you have Kittle on Greenlaw, or let's, let's be honest here, when it's Kittle on any linebacker, maybe outside Fred Warner in the entire NFL, I want that throw being made. Give your star all-pro, Pro Bowl tight end, the number two guy in football, the second best tight end receiver in football, give him a chance to make that play. In this case, I like the aggressiveness. Kittle made a great catch on it. You have to take risks, right? You got to put your balls to the wall sometimes. If you ain't risking it, you ain't getting the biscuit, right? That's that's the saying, right? Risk it to get, to get the biscuit, right? Purdy is doing that stuff. Purdy's out there taking risks, doing things you have to do to win football games. And while the ball, again, was underthrown, I like that throw in this instant because, look, if you're not giving Kittle a chance to make that play now, um, that's not going to happen come game one against Pittsburgh or game two against the Rams or come playoff time. You have to get ready to make those plays, and Purdy right now is willing to do that. That's starting caliber quarterback stuff. Um, the other one, though, that's where the problems really arise is because he had one <laughs> that he threw to Debo Samuel, left sideline again. He was double covered. Purdy didn't look off the safety. He floated this football. The other ball to Kittle, not floated. Nice ball, just underthrown. This one floated up in the air too high and really did not give Debo any chance to catch this football Hufunga glided under it, but dropped it, hit his hands and fell on the ground. For Hufunga, catch that ball, please. Do not be Jaquiski Tart. That is why you took his job. Do not be Jaquiski Tart. But back to Purdy, you cannot throw this ball. This is the one you cannot throw. Not into double coverage. Not looking off the safety. Not floating it over there. This ball will be picked off nine times out of ten. You cannot make that throw. Be aggressive to George Kittle on Greenlaw, 1v1. Not to Debo Samuel double coverage and floating a duck towards a safety. You cannot do that. So, 50-50 here. I like what he's doing, being aggressive, but sometimes, like if you're going to do that, you have to make sure it's the right situation where, again, know your matchup, look off the safety, and don't float the football. It's going to get picked off. Um, and he actually, funny enough, was picked off later in training camp and during practice because, and it was a weird play. I know when you see, you know, on a tweet or a report somewhere, it says Brock Purdy, 15 for 17, whatever he was today, the one touchdown and one pick. Your first mind is one pick. Well, that's not good. Interception. Oh man. Turnover. Gross. That's your first thought, right? That, that was mine. When I wasn't going to training camp, it was, oh my goodness, Jimmy Garoppolo, five interceptions, my goodness, what the heck happened? Then you're there, you see the context. Um, it was a weird one. It was a really weird pick today because when the ball was snapped, 
it was almost like the offensive line didn't block anybody. <laughs> I'm not sure if it was, you know, miscommunication on their end or like whatever happened. It was weird. It was like the ball was snapped. The entire defensive line gets into the backfield instantly. And everyone's kind of standing there like, what just happened? What do we do? And Purdy and really the entire team kind of gave up on the play. And he sat there and kind of looked and was like, okay, I'll throw the football, I guess. And then a flat-footed toss it to Jordan Mason, overshot him, and Gibson picks it off. Now, yes, was it a pick? Yes. Was it a sack? Probably would have been come game time, maybe, but I don't play that game, so I don't know. Was it a bad play? Yeah. <laughs> Whether it was a pick or a sack or whatever it was, or the old line just was like, we don't know what we're doing, uh, that can't happen come game time. And that's a play you look at and go, what? Is, should I just wash that from my memory? I how do I count that? <laughs> like, that is an outlier of like, that doesn't look right. That's not how that's supposed to go. How do I put that in my notes? How do I tweet that out? Um, because you don't know what really happens. You don't know if there was miscommunication or whatever. You just point to it and say, I don't, I don't think that's how that was supposed to go. That, that, that doesn't look right to me. Um, but when you see interception next to Purdy's name, I want to explain to you that that play to me wasn't the worst thing in the world. That felt like kind of a wash play of nonchalant, like I don't, whatever, plays over with, throw it, give it up, and move on. The Hufunga drop pick was the bigger issue to me, where if you want to be aggressive, you got to make sure you're looking off safeties and not throwing into double coverage. That was the more egregious one to me, but again, I still like the aggressiveness by Brock Purdy today, because you take a risk, you get a big play. That was a big difference in his game compared to Jimmy Garoppolo, which took this offense to the, to the next level. Christian McCaffrey, big impact, I get that. Brock Purdy was un, unscared. He was not scared at all to take risks. Uh, many fans point to, you know, he had so many dropped interceptions last year. Yes, th th those are things you have to clean up for sure. But if you don't take risks... Sometimes you're not going to reap the reward. And for Brock Purdy to do that and show the strides now out the injury, it's a really good sign for him because, you know, I talked about plenty of times here, like 85% health with the arm. I want to see him stretch it out. Today, I think we're seeing that process where he's supposed to early next week, if not by Monday, get off with the two days on, one day off, and start going three days on, one day off. So I think was kind of that progression towards that level for him. And it's a good sign from the quarterback coming off a major injury like Brock Purdy's. Uh, but I also think even though throws were dangerous, even though there were throws where that were picked off, I think he had a really good day today um, when it came to move the ball drills. I thought he was efficient. I thought he looked very, very competent during move the ball drills. Um he looked like this team's starting quarterback during move the ball drills. There was a play that we all kind of said, ooh, <laughs> like, that was scary, but we all kind of laughed at it too because um, during, I believe it was team drills, Cleveland Farrell, who, mind you, had hit the ball out of Purdy's hand earlier this week, which made us all go, oh my god, is he okay? Today, <laughs> he... He was rushing the passer and kind of got pushed towards Brock Purdy's feet. And I'm not kidding you. This fool freaking dolphin dived the opposite direction. He said, nope, I'm not hitting the quarterback again. He learned his lesson 
<laughs> the first time. And even Brock Purdy said when he hit his arm earlier in camp that it wasn't a big deal. It's a football play. You're playing defense. I'm playing offense. Good job on you. Let's move on. But today was like, I am making sure I am not touching the quarterback. Um, and uh, yeah, so he dolphin dived out of the way to make sure he missed Brock Purdy. Uh, but the rest of Purdy's outing was really good to me. Um, there's a play on Twitter you can see I put out there. Um, what they had in the highlight reel today during uh, during practice. It was called Hella Highlights <laughs> on the Instagram or Twitter. But the highlight was Purdy to Ayuk over the middle. It was like 20 plus yards on a crosser. And Ayuk went up over Lenore. Talked about it earlier. Talked about Lenore. But went up over Lenore and caught it. And it was an amazing play. Um, you know, it's like he almost throws two picks earlier. Does throw one to Gibson. But then makes this perfect throw to Brandon Ayuk. Like, it's precision over the middle. Like, and when we talk about, you know, plays that... Like, when you look at what Brock Purdy did today, and you... Like, when you look at what Brock Purdy did today, you can criticize the interceptions and some of the inaccurate throws, but today, during team drills, um, I don't think you can leave that saying, he's just not the guy. Like, I'm seeing certain people leave putting Trey Lance being the starting quarterback and Sam Darnold 2 and Purdy 3. Um, no. That no, that's not the case. And then those guys had good days. Those guys have had a good training camp altogether by far. Um, but no. Uh so he goes up and gets the football. Great play. It was a play where I just sat back and said, Shanahan loved that. Like that's a play Shanahan said. Like he is salivating right now. He's drooling, being like, That's that's what I like. That 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 is oh my god, Brock Purdy. Oh jeez. Like Shanahan's sitting there being like that was the... Oh, oh my God. <laughs> um, then later, he throws a touchdown to Debo Samuel. And there was a scare here, too, because Debo caught the touchdown towards the, the, the pylon on the right side of the end zone, went up and got it. Great placement by Purdy. Excellent job by Debo going up and get it. This was a, you know, Debo Samuel receiver one against Mooney Ward, cornerback number one. And that was a battle for the football. Nice touchdown. Great throw. Um, but Debo here, it was scary for a second because you're thinking, okay, he's had a really good camp thus far. Um, he got himself in shape. He's kind of figured things out with his health and, and his weight placement. And he's supposed to have a really big year for this team. I know fans are upset with him because last year he himself said he wasn't good, but he was pretty good still in my book. Um, but fans are like, you got paid all this money and you weren't good enough and for Debo Samuel to go down, catch the ball, go down and immediately, you know, kind of roll over writhing in pain, you're like, oh my goodness, did he break a foot? Did he break a hip? Did he hurt his shoulder? What's going on here? And he was on the ground for like a minute or two. Then he got back up on his feet to arousing applause uh, by the, the fans. But, you know, you're kind of thinking, okay, like, what's wrong? And thankfully, it seems like it was only a stinger or knocked the wind out of him because he got back on the field later. But it was a very scary moment for Debo Samuel. They were like, oh my goodness, this team's, you know, receiver number one, receiver number two, how long is he going to be hurt for? Because we got guys hurt left and right. Moore, Brian, Banks, Mitchell. You're like, who else can get hurt? And Debo goes down, you're like, for the love of God, <laughs> like, don't let it be Debo. Uh, but he got up, got back on the field. He's seemingly okay. Uh, but Brock Purdy's 
his outing didn't stop there. Because there was a play that happened later in practice, again, to Brandon Ayuk, over the middle, on a slant. And they marked Ayuk down before he reached the end zone. But this throw, to me, is the reason why Kyle Shanahan called Brock Purdy the real deal yesterday after practice. Um, This was a perfect on-time, out-of-the-break slant route, perfect placement of the football, right into the receiver's hands, perfect timing to give his playmaker the ability to do more with the football. This is the kind of play that makes Kyle Shanahan make comments like he's the real deal. It's a play like this that makes Kyle Shanahan say, yep, I am reaffirmed in him being this team's starting quarterback. Uh, I know the mistake Lee may have kind of muddied people's expectation of Brock Purdy today or made him say, you know, bad practice. It wasn't a bad practice. Uh, I think that we are seeing Brock Purdy climb the mountain of recovery. And it's taking step by step, and we're seeing that step, the next step taken every single day. And today was another one of those steps in his progress back. Again, two days on, one day off. He's supposed to be three days on, one day off, coming up next week, uh, barring something crazy happening. Um, He said he's taking it one day at a time. I get that kind of the cliche, but we can see Brock Purdy starting to kind of get back to himself. I believe Jack Hammer had a stat saying, you know, rough couple days at the beginning, but right now, 69% completion percentage. I know it's a stat I don't love to read off, but it's an indication as to where he is efficiency-wise. Um, he's starting to look like the Brock Purdy of old. He isn't there just yet. He's not 100% just yet, but he's healthy. He's moving. He's growing towards that. He's being aggressive with the football and pushing the football down the field, hitting his crossers, and doing things to reaffirm Kyle Shanahan's belief in him being the starting quarterback of this football team. The man who got his first go-round with the second team was Sam Darnold today. And was Darnold perfect? No. I think he was kind of hampered down in move-the-ball drills by them running the football like six times in a row. Um, I was really impressed with the second team offensive line during move the ball drills, at least Jason Poe and Nick Zakel, because they opened holes for Jordan Mason and TDP. Uh, when a second team defense cannot stop the second team offensive line from opening up holes and freeing up the running back, and they do it like five times in a row, that's really impressive. I want to give them kudos. Um, that may have skewed what Sam Darnold could do offensively. Uh, in move the ball drills for Sam Darnold and Trey Lance, Sam Darnold had a second and two, second down somewhere, and they kicked a field goal for Trey Lance. I believe it was third down and did the same thing. So they couldn't or didn't get the opportunity to kind of complete their you know fourth their their, their four downs of move the ball drills in the red zone. Um, kind of weird, but happened to all the, all the guys besides Brock Purdy, so it's not like it was that big of a deal. Just wanted to mention it here. If someone brings it up to you, it wasn't that big of a deal. It happened to everybody else but Brock Purdy. Um, but Sam Darnold today, um, a, lot, a lot of dink and dunk. 
a lot of dink and dunk. That kind of happened yesterday too, um, until we got to team drills. A, a lot of dink and dunk early, but then later in the practice, you can see the kind of the the flip or the switch flipped. I can never get that right. The switch flipped. <laughs> the switch flipped for Sam Darnold. And there was a play today. I want to highlight again. A lot of dink and dunk, but but there was one play that. I talked so much about this on this podcast and on Twitter that when I talk about Sam Darnold can make Kyle Shanahan comfortable, it was his crosser to Debo Samuel over the middle where he hits Debo on the right side, crossing over to his left side, catches it, perfect placement, perfect timing, gives Debo the chance to make a big play in open space. And what does Debo do? He does what Debo does best. Runs right by a defender. Jair Brown had no chance. Jair Brown... <laughs> I feel bad because I don't want to cap on him because he's had a very quiet training camp. But this is one of those moments you learn when it comes to taking routes against a player like Debo Samuel. He can run by you in a split second. And Debo did just that. It was, boom, perfect crosser, over the middle... Debo's in space, and Jair Brown's like, I'm going to come get you. And Debo's like, okay, rookie. Runs right by him. Would have been a touchdown. No one would have got him. Uh, but that's a play where I look at it and I go, okay, that is the exact same thing Brock Purdy did over here that Sam Darnold just did here. And it's stuff like that. Plays like that. Perfectly timed slants and crossers over the intermediate middle of the football field that makes that will make Kyle Shanahan comfortable with Sam Darnold he showed that today um, but I don't want to leave tonight without discussing everyone's favorite quarterback he's social media darling that is Trey Lance uh, today he was 8 for 11 again what does that matter I'm not sure fans care about that I truly don't but if you do I'm not mad at you I understand 8 for 11 today um he had kind of a an up and down practice in my opinion because of things he couldn't even control like Brock Purdy had the weird pick with the offensive line not doing his job and he kind of you know just kind of floated the football over there where Trey Lance I believe he got stepped on or tripped by his offensive line today and then he actually made a great play where the ball was snapped low um he picked it up didn't panic showed composure kept the play alive and found the running back open for a nice gain um, so there is growth there. We are seeing Trey Lance mature, I believe, in the pocket where as a rookie, and even last year with little reps, he would have he panicked on that player, maybe would have panicked on that play. And we're seeing the maturity of like, look, I have the football, it's secure, I can still make a play here. The play isn't over after one mistake, whether it's a bad snap or a falling down. Like, we are seeing him grow in the pocket, um... I know that doesn't matter in practice because come game time, there's players trying to kill you on the other side. And so when the heat comes in those games in preseason and maybe come regular season, if he actually plays, we'll see hopefully more of that. But it's a good sign from him who hasn't gotten reps in live action against other teams in the regular season to see that, okay, like we are seeing some form of growth from Trey Lance outside of, you know, his mechanics or his passing. 
We are seeing composure in the pocket when things break down. Not just pressure getting to him, but a bad snap or being tripped in the pocket. We are seeing things that he can't affect or, or he hasn't caused not affect how he plays, which is really important to see from a young quarterback. But the throws he made today, um, I thought there were a lot that were behind some people. Um, I also think he stood tall in pressure. A lot of times stood in the pocket, was composed. Like there was some good and there was some bad. Kind of a mixed bag again from him. Um, I know fans were calling him and said that he had, you know, the best day of the three quarterbacks or four quarterbacks. I don't think that's the case. I wouldn't say that. Um, but I wouldn't say it was a bad day by any means. Um, there was a play today where, and I thought it was a great throw, where he hit Jennings towards the left side, kind of over the middle, crossing over the middle, going to his left. He put this ball in just the perfect place. The linebacker was kind of at an angle where if he led Jennings a little more, it may have been tipped. So he threw it behind him a little bit, but not enough where he couldn't catch it. You can see it on Twitter as well, on my Twitter. And uh, he kind of reaches back for it, catches it, gives Jennings you know, room to roam with the football. But this was my favorite throw of the day. Purdy's were great. He looked really good. Darnold had a really good throw as well. But this throw, I think it may have made me, it just made me really excited and giddy because as soon as it happened, I said, man, that was, wow. <laughs> like, that is, that's why they drafted you. The amount of velocity on the throw and accuracy it takes to fit that above the linebacker and the space he did, that's why they drafted Trey Lance. Um, I know people have said on Twitter that ball's behind Jennings. Um, no offense to many of those people. They weren't there. Um, that ball was not going to be picked off by someone behind Jennings. Nobody was there. Safety was too far back. Um, and the angle of where the linebacker was lined up, that ball was in the perfect place. Um, and look, let's be clear here. Trey Lance can make a good throw and us not complain about it on Twitter. And so can Brock Purdy. I don't know why there are people who are fanboys of certain players and not just the team. I get, you feel like Trey Lance has been mistreated. You feel like Brock Purdy, you know, he's only eight games. And some of you feel like Brock Purdy's Joe Montana. Can we just take this thing one day at a time? Can we just take this thing as, you know, the best quarterback will play and if he stinks, he'll get replaced. That's how this thing works. It's how it's going to go. Trey Lance can make a nice play. You want to know why? He's a good quarterback. Brock Purdy can make a good play. You want to know why? He's a good quarterback. Sam Darnold can make a good throw. You want to know why? Because he has the arm talent. <laughs> um, but this, this was a great throw. It, it made me sit back and say, this is why I fell in love with his tape in 2021. Um, I am someone who is... A, who has said since the beginning, I wanted Trey Lance, um, and unfortunate things have happened on his journey in San Francisco. Um, I don't think he'll start this year. I said it plenty of times, but this throw, it was it was perfect. It made me sit back and say, the potential is still there, and we are seeing growth and maturation every single practice. 
He's had five really good, if not just good, practices in a row. Five strong, competent practices in a row. That makes me excited. <laughs> like, the fact that he can go into Las Vegas, potentially having, you know, six, seven, eight good practices in a row, a week of good practices, and then go into, you know, shared camp and, and uh, whatever they're called again, I'm forgetting their name. Um, but joint practices, go into those and have confidence against a relatively bad Raiders defense. And then go into a preseason game and ha- with confidence, maybe tear that defense up. Like, those are really good things. <laughs> those are things where sometimes I feel like certain people, when they see one throw, think that's how the entire day went. It wasn't. But neither was Purdy's bad throws. Neither were Trey's bad throws. One throw doesn't define your day. But when you put together five good practices of scoring touchdowns, making accurate throws, yes, there are throws. Trey Lance still misses. Um, The easy ones are kind of still there, but I I don't think they're that big of a deal where it's like X amount, quarterback three, now. It's like, okay, like you have improved... On the intermediate stuff, your touch is getting better, which is really hard to improve. Um, your mechanics look stronger. Brian Greasy's praising you. Kyle Shanahan's praising you. Other teammates are praising you. Um, I don't know if anything he has done this week has changed anybody's mind on him. But if you were doubting him, I think that is lessened, or at least it should have. And if a coach on the team doesn't believe in what Trey can do after five really good practices. I don't understand that. Um, Again, a lot of games to go, a lot of practice to be had. But when you put together, when you string together five good practices in a row, and you make good plays, you make some great throws, you bounce back from your struggles, you put the ball in the right place at the right time, um, and... I think Trey still needs to be more consistent with his throws, but I do think we're still seeing that improve as well, where Trey Lance is having the best through eight days. This has been his best training camp of his career, and it should be. But the fact is, it hasn't been, but it is now. And I think when we're talking about quarterback two or three, uh, Darnold's been fine. I've said plenty of times, he can make Shanahan feel comfortable. And I think he's doing that right now. He has done that already. But I think Trey, in my humble opinion, which means nothing to Kyle Shanahan or anybody in that building, he has looked really good. Really, really good. Uh, I think we should give this kid a break for what he's gone through. And I think we should support him. Because we might need him. <laughs> and I think right now... He should be instilling confidence in us as fans because being there, seeing him improve, seeing Purdy and Darnold play, those three guys, Lance, Purdy, Darnold, they've all played really well. And the last guy today, Brandon Allen. I mean, I would still put him at quarterback number four, but they they made the point to get him reps. They said, you are going to play. (laughs) And... Like Purdy, he was aggressive downfield. He's unafraid to make a mistake. He's good in play action. Um, 
I still think right now he's quarterback number four. Um, and I do think he struggled early and often where I don't think he's reached that point of the conversation of quarterback three yet or even two. But right now it's a three-horse race for quarterbacks two and three. It's Purdy, excuse me, it's Darnold, Allen, and Lance. And right now, uh, I don't think it's close between Darnold, Lance, and Allen. I think Allen is pretty far behind. But with what he did today, I was also impressed. I'm not going to come on here and crap on a quarterback when I don't think he was bad. Like, if he's bad, I'll tell you. If he's good, I'll tell you. Brandon Allen was good today. Um, I Again, I don't think he's going to play. Um, but I think right now, the preseason games are going to matter more this year than they have in the past five years. Um, I think they are going to matter more this year than maybe the Alex Smith Kaepernick, whether it was like Harbaugh was like, I might do it, I might not do it. Well, they were kind of splitting reps when you know they were in Green Bay. I don't know the exact year. 2011, I think, is what it was. Maybe 2012. Um, but when that was happening, those were really important preseason games. This year, extremely important preseason games to define and determine who this team's backup quarterbacks are going to be. Um, I would lean Darnold Lance right now. But if Lance comes out and just rips this thing apart and tears it up, and slices and dices that Raiders defense, I don't see why anybody wouldn't feel comfortable with him backing up Brock Purdy. He's not going to start, but backing up Brock Purdy. And right now, I think if you told me we're going to go into the season with Purdy at 1, Darnold or Lance at 2, I don't care who it is, uh, I'm feeling pretty good. Because Purdy's showing signs, and Darnold and Lance have been competent enough, if not been probably high-end backup material at worst in camp thus far. I like what all of these guys are doing, and I think as Niner fans, we should be really excited because if, if one of these guys goes down, I have confidence any one of them can win a big game for us right now. It's eight games. It's eight games. I get that. But I do think we should have confidence in this quarterback room more so than ever over the course of the past five years since Shanahan has been here, Josh Johnson's not in this building. That's a good thing. That's a really, really good thing. Tomorrow, training camp, August 5th, Saturday morning, 1025 a.m. I will be there. I'm hoping to get you a podcast tomorrow evening. If not, it'll come out Sunday morning. If not, then Monday morning as we embark towards the end of fans being allowed at training camp last day is Monday before practice on Tuesday open to only the media as the team goes to Las Vegas for joint practices and week one of the NFL preseason. I'm so excited. Thank you for watching and listening. I really appreciate all your support. Uh, I have done my best to be as unbiased as possible and bring you the reporting I know is true and try to get every single fact I can right, and try to mold my opinion to what I believe is true. I hope you felt that through my reporting on Twitter, on Instagram, and on the podcast thus far. Again, thank you for listening. Thank you for all the kind words. It means a ton. I love doing this. I love being at camp and covering this team, 
and I appreciate you watching and listening and also following me on social media. And for the last couple days of camp, for updates, you are still going to want to keep track of it on Twitter and Instagram. Twitter being 49ers underscore access. Instagram being 49ers dot access. Follow us on there for all training camp updates and news surrounding the San Francisco 49ers. You can also, again, for the last time today at least, use our promo code 49ers access. 49ERSACCESS at SeatGeek.com to save yourself $20 off your first purchase. And finally, our last promo of the day. Use our Fanatics link up above if you're on YouTube or down below in the description to buy some Niners merch and support the show. In the meantime, with that being said, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, leave a like on the episode on YouTube, or even a like on the audio version of the podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, it doesn't matter. Tell your friends about the episode of the show and say, hey, I kind of like that Sterling guy. He He's pretty cool. He's a pretty cool guy. He knows what he's talking about. And hopefully I do know what I'm talking about. I don't mind being wrong, but if I am, I'll let you know. I got no problem eating a bowl of crow if it actually happens. That being said, thank you for watching, listening, Leave a like, leave a review, tell your friends about the podcast and what we're doing here on social media. My name is Sterling Bennett. This has been the Forward and Access podcast. And until next time, stay faithful.